Praise the Lord. It's working. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Yeah, not Shebrews, but Hebrews. My wife told me that means you make the coffee in the morning. Maybe, maybe she's right. I've been making it for 33 years now. And I'm sorry? Yeah, well, amen. Uh, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do, isn't it? That was, she told me when I married her, that was my job. Was, it's in the book. There you go. <laughs> Hebrews. I mean, that's how plain does it get? I'm supposed to spoil her. Uh, there was another another verse that uh, Paul pointed out to me when he came in. I was looking for it, and uh, he told me right where to go to find it. Thank the Lord. Uh, my computer couldn't do it, but Paul could. Hey, <laughs> I poked in the wrong word. But Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says this, Now unto Him, Amen, Unto who? Unto God, unto the Father, unto Jesus Christ, the Son, unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now unto Him that is able. Boy, I like that. See, God is able. Amen. And that happens to be the title of my message this morning is, He is able. In Ephesians um, uh, Ephesians 3.20, but Hebrews chapter 7 And verse 25 is the other verse that I wanted you to notice. And uh, it says this, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Boy, I like that. That we know that God is able. Now, Corey Ten Boom, I don't know if you know her. She was a... Uh, a Christian that happened to be blind back uh, she was born in 1892 she passed away uh, at 19 in 1983 she was almost a hundred years old and she said this she had a lot of quotable things but she said this it is not my ability but my response to God's ability that counts see we know that God is able but I also know that I am not able And I am thankful that uh, my response to what God is able to do, God judges me on the curve, not on my actions, not on my activities, but on the finished work of Jesus Christ, that He was able. He gave up heaven. He put on flesh. He became a man. He went to the cross. He shed His blood. He lived a 33-year sinless, perfect life on my behalf. And then He died for my sins. And it is what I do with that knowledge, the understanding of His ability and what it was that He did for me. Well, I want to point out a few of those things uh, that are mentioned in this verse, just one verse, chapter 7, verse 25 of Hebrews, where it says, Wherefore He is able also to save them. Now, Roman numeral 1 is just exactly that. He is able to save. His ability to save. Do you believe that God is able? Uh, I do. I I know that He's able, but I also know that He is willing. A lot of people know that God is able to do things, but sometimes they question whether He will do those things 
or not. Some people have problems with the miracles that God has in the Bible. You know, in the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea, all of the things that God did, the resurrection of the dead, the touching and the healing of the leper, and all of those blind people in the New Testament. God is a miracle-working God. And they say, oh, I know that God can work miracles, but now, you see, I don't see all I see that written between the pages of, of Scripture, but I don't see it really happening that much in my life. So therefore, it's not a matter as to whether I believe that He can, but I really have a hard time believing sometimes that He will. But my friend, I want you to know that I am a living example of what God not only can do, but what God will do. God reached into my heart when I was wretched, when I was lost and dead in sin and trespasses. Everybody in this room, out in the parking lot, and most of them over the airwaves, already know my testimony and how, how rotten and uh, defiled, uh, wretched that I was. And yet God had mercy on me. He reached into my heart and illuminated my mind, regenerated my soul, drew me to Himself and saved me. I am evidence of the resurrection of the dead. Oh, not the physically dead, but I was spiritually dead. And God reached in and touched and gave me new life. I reminded people at a funeral that I preached yesterday that if you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you die once. And I am evidence of the second birth, of regeneration, being born again. Now listen, I had nothing to do with my first physical birth and I had nothing to do with my second spiritual birth. It was God that regenerated or gave me the new birth. But now it's up to me to live the life of the new birth, to live the life that God has miraculously called me out of death, out of depravity, into the world of the living, spiritual living, that I might live a life that is uh, glorifying to Him. You see, that's what this is really all about. You know, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, I know I came to God. I came to God only because God came to me first. He reached into my mind, my heart. He illuminated, regenerated, and drew me to Himself. So therefore, I came to God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that do diligently seek Him. Do you understand that He's not only able, but He has a desire to move in our lives, to touch, to bless, to heal, to strengthen, to lead, to guide, to direct, to bless. God has a desire to bless us. But we must believe that He is a rewarder of them that do diligently seek Him. Now, my question to you is not only uh, do you believe that He is able and that He is able to save, but that He will save and that when He does save, that He will bless those that live a life of holiness, live a life of sanctification, live a life separate from the world, come out from among them, live that life that I have created and give you, given you life to live and empowered you by the, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God gives us the ability to be pleasing to Him. Boy, I like that. Not only is He able, but He gives us the ability to live the life that He gave us to live. 
one of the one of the reasons that we're not being blessed, one of the reasons that things run amok and go astray in our lives. Uh, what was the old saying? The best laid plans of mice and men do go astray. And, and even though we we make plans for our life, even though God has a purpose and a plan for our life. Uh, sometimes those plans of God for our life don't come to fruition because we are not living the life of holiness that God has called us to live. Well, we not only see His ability in this one verse, but it, it, sees the, it shows the, the method, the methodology behind how He moves in our life and how He brings us to salvation. You know there's two types of salvation. Did you know that? There's the salvation of the lost. That all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone uh, to his own way. And we are, are living a life of sinfulness. Wretchedness. Depravity. And God illuminates, regenerates and draws us to Himself. And saves our souls. But then we as Christians, we still go astray. And sometimes we find ourselves drifting so far from the shore. We find ourselves so far from the purpose and the plan and the will of God in our lives. And yet God still, by the power of the Holy Spirit, comes. And, and it's, do you understand that rededication, recommitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is almost like a brand new salvation? That we can fall so far away from God that we're not lost, but boy, sometimes we feel as though we're lost the second is the method, and it says He is able to save those that come to God. You know, a lost person cannot be saved without bending the knee and bowing the head and surrendering their life to God. There are some things that God cannot do. He cannot sin, obviously. We've discussed that a lot of times. He cannot allow sin to come into heaven. So if you're a sinner living a life of sin, separated from God, then you can't go to heaven as long as that sin has not been paid for. He cannot save anyone that will not come to Him for salvation. There are a lot of people who want to be saved, but they don't want to go the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And there are a lot of people, there are a lot of religions that people are chasing after a false god because they're going the wrong way. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, the leaks to righteousness, few there be that find it. Broad is the gate, wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. They're, they're walking the, the path of religiosity. They chase after Buddha. They chase after you know Shintoism and all of these religions. They chase after Islam and Muhammad and Allah. Allah, of course, just means that word simply means the God. They believe that their God is the same God as the God of the Christians. But it can't be. Why? Because they say their God has no sons, no children, no cohorts. My God has a son named Jesus Christ. He has a son who gave up heaven, put on flesh, and became a man. And the Bible teaches us, Scripture teaches us, not, not the Quran. It doesn't teach us that the only way to God is through the Son. But my Scripture tells us there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We come to God the Father through God the Son. And if we don't come to Him, He is not able, the Bible says in this verse, 
Verse 25, Wherefore He is able also to save them. Oh, but not them that will not come to God through Jesus Christ. He is able to save only them. To the uttermost. Boy, I like that. That, you know, that verse that we looked at in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse uh, 20. It said, He is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. Isn't that good? That God is able to save them to the uttermost. Those who come to God. But we only come to God through Christ. His condition is... Jesus Christ, you look again at it, wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. By Him. Now I know that doesn't mention the name of Jesus Christ there. But my friend, I want you to realize that in the Scriptures prior to this, I'm going to read some of them just to bring this into context. It says, for verily, uh, there is verily a, a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. Now, who is it that was made priest? Of course, we realize that it is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our high priest. For those priests were made uh, without an oath. But this priest, our high priest, was made uh, with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Oh, but this man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, because He continueth forever. He is eternal. How does He continue forever? Because He is God. God in the flesh. As much man as man is man, and yet as much God as God is God. And because Jesus Christ, the man God, became our high priest, He continueth forever and hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore He, Jesus Christ, is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him, by our high priest, God is able to save, but He is only able to save that come to Him. And He's only able to save those that come to Him by our High Priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. But my friend, you also see not only His ability, He is able. Not only His method, that they, He is able to save them that come to Him or come to God. And the condition is by Christ. But you see the cause. Boy, I love this. The cause is that He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Remember what it says in that verse 24? It says, But this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, 
Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he, Jesus Christ, ever liveth to make intercession for them. For them. Boy, I like that. The cause is that Jesus Christ gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, lived a 33 years sinless, perfect life, went to the cross, shed His blood, died, arose from the dead, and ascended back to heaven and took His seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Not, not. Listen, do you, do you understand there's a difference between us and them? Now when we talk about us, we're talking about the church. When we talk about them, we're talking about the lost world that has rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They'll never bend the knee. They'll never bow the head. They'll never surrender their hearts and lives to Christ. But the Bible says, Jesus says, I have sheep ye know not of. He was speaking of the nation of Israel when He, he told the nation of Israel, I have sheep ye know not of. And He was talking about us. The Gentiles. Those that had not even come to faith yet. But Jesus Christ was in heaven, singing at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for you and for me. Down through the years, 2,000 years ago, He ascended back to heaven. He took His seat at the right hand of the throne of God. He was praying, making intercession for us, for you, for me. For all of those even of the nation of Israel, not by the blood of Abraham, but by the faith of Abraham, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. He is able because Jesus was willing to give up heaven, put on flesh, become a man, and die for our sins. He is not only able, but He is willing because Christ was willing to come to this earth to put on flesh and to go to the cross and to shed His blood. To die for our sin. But not only to die, but to live for our justification. He had to live that sinless life that I must live if I'm going to save myself. I could never do that. You could never do that. He gave up heaven and went to the cross and died so that I could have life. And now because He was willing to do that, God is not only able but He is willing to move in our hearts, to illuminate, to regenerate, to draw, and to save. Why is He, God, able to save them that come to Him through Christ? Because He, Christ, ever liveth. Boy, aren't you glad that He died for you? Boy, I am. But I'm even more glad that He rose from the dead. That He came back from that grave. That He rose from the tomb. Boy, what a, what a good Easter morning sunrise service this would make. But my friend, it's only because of the resurrection, not because of His death. Listen, if He'd have died and stayed dead, we would still be, of all people, the Bible says, most miserable. We would still be bound by our sin. But it's only because of the death, the life, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ that God is not only able to save. See, if, if He hadn't have rose from the dead, then God would have been able. But He would not have been willing to reach into my heart, to illuminate my mind, to regenerate my soul, to draw me to Himself. 
But my friend, we can get on our knees and we can praise God for the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, that He liveth forevermore. The Bible says He is the one that was dead and now is alive forevermore. He is the one who loved you enough to take your sin upon Him. Oh, no more greater than that. Not only did He bear our sin on the cross, but He literally became the embodiment of our sin. And as He was hanging on the cross and He became my sin, God poured out His wrath on Him. You see, God doesn't wink at your sin. God doesn't overlook your sin. God doesn't bypass your sin. Your sin was paid for by the precious blood of Christ. The wrath of God was poured out on His Son as though He were pouring out His wrath on us and on our sin. And He rose from the dead to give us life. And and that, the Bible says, more abundantly here and now. Not only in heaven one day in the sky apple pie in the sweet by and by when I die. But no, right here, right now in this world, God comes to live on the inside of me that I might have life here in this world. Listen, your life is not found in the abundance of things of the flesh. Your life, see, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, who is our life. See, He's the He's the sinner. He's the heart, the heart of the heart, the heart of of my heart, the heart of God, the father, the apple of his eye. And if we make him that in our lives, he becomes the life that we live, not just a part, but the life. Christ is my life because he lived his life for me, died in my stead. Then I have abundant life here and now then. If that is true, then come. Come. What, what, what do we wait for? Why do people hesitate? Why, why do people put it off? Well, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ one day. I'm not, I'm not going to die. I'll, I'll come to the Lord. I'll surrender the Lordship of my life to Christ before I die. I'm not planning on, on dying and going to hell. My friend, you'll wait one day too late because you don't know the day of your death. I preached the funeral of a 27-year-old girl yesterday. Beautiful. Young. Two children. Eight years old. Four years old. Had made professions of faith to the Lord when I was preaching on Highway 84. Came to the services and, and asked for different songs to be played. and Would stay longer after the service and talk to me about the Scriptures. Got out. Eight eight months she stayed there. She got out and stumbled and faltered and failed. Lost her life. Why why will you why will you die? The Bible says. With weeping and mourning. You can hear the tears, the heartache. Of God asking His people, why? Why will you die? Why will you leave this world without Christ in your life? When He died to set you free. When He died to give you life. Won't you give your heart? Won't you give your life to Christ? 
He's the only thing that's really worth living for. He's the only thing that there's really in this world worth dying for. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You that You are able to save them that come to You by Christ to the uttermost. God, that even when we stumble, falter, and fail after we have been saved, God, and it cost us our very life, Though we were unfaithful, You remain faithful. Help us, God, to love You. To love You enough not to die for You, but God, to love You enough to live for You. Help us, God, to be faithful to You in all that we do. We'll give You the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to...